0: Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message.
1: That that was amazing, and you have wrecked me already this morning. So, we've been in this By My Spirit series, and so it's kind of fun. We like to do this at the beginning of going back to school because habits and disciplines are changing. The kids are getting up a little bit earlier. We've traveled over the summer, we've taken a break from maybe some grow groups after they've ended. But we like to do a series that is kind of teaching on the Holy Spirit or just kind of getting back into this like God relationship. And so, we've been doing By My Spirit, and the first week we talked about spirit filled prayer and recognizing that we want to be a a praying-first church. And then last week, we talked about being filled with the Spirit and that there's just more when it comes to God. And that's based on God's power. So if you miss that, you can listen to them online. You can watch the videos, the podcasts. There's so many tools and so much for accessibility. It's one of my things that I'm so grateful for that we have. So if you miss a Sunday, it's okay because you can catch up on it if you want to hear. And then today we are talking about a spirit-shaped life. And I know you're wondering why it's me that gets to do it. (laughs) That's good. So we're excited. But it's really about how the spirit wants to work inside of us to transform us. And, um, this is the email I got from Aaron when we were talking about this this uh, this series and me taking on one of the messages, and he said, "Looking over this, it makes me feel like it was meant for you, as you've gone through quite a lot of personal transformation through the power of surrendering your life to the Holy Spirit." Which I was like, "Oh, that's so nice." And then I was like, "What does that mean?" And then I was like, "Rags the riches, y'all, because Jesus has done a great work in my life." And um, I also brought a picture to represent my spirit-shaped life, me. The Holy Ghost, <laughs> this is one of my all-time favorite shows, is the Golden Girls, but literally if you know me, you know that this is the Holy Spirit doing a work in me, so I'm not saying dumb things all the time and tame in some of it, so you are welcome. I'm always grateful that the production and media team, that they go along with my shenanigans. And then next week, of course, we are talking about spiritual gifts, so please come back. There's always so many questions about spiritual gifts and how people interpret them or what they think about them, and so I know it's going to be great that Aaron, Pastor Aaron comes back and talks about the spirit the spirit and spiritual gifts that we have. So let's just jump into our theme verse from this series. We have it in uh, Zechariah 4:6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Go ahead and say that with me. Zerubbabel, because I had to practice that. And not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And it's just this key phrasing of understanding that it's not the power, or this might, this strength, or this effort, but we're still given more. And uh, even the last week of Pastor Aaron touching on the, the Ruach and Numa of this breath of God from Old Testament to New Testament, and this god breath into us of understanding that this is a a power a power from god but a strength to strengthen us that we don't have to do it on our own and then we see in second corinthians 3:16 but whenever someone turns to the lord the veil is taken away for the lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the lord is there is freedom Thank you, Jesus. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So what's that veil here? For me, that's like looking at the veil of um, shaking away this not knowing, this disbelief that is in our general demeanor that we have, and then even learning to understand that God has a better way. and That truly knowing that God wants to do a work inside of us More and more, we're going to see that through the scripture today that we're looking through, more and more, through and through, that the Holy Spirit wants to shape us. And this is something for me when I look at scripture of like trying to understand what the Holy Spirit wants to do is even considering that information here without application can't lead to transformation. So we're going to hear some stuff, but if we don't walk out and apply it, we're not going to be transformed. So we're still going to be sitting there wondering what the Holy Spirit wants to do with us. And we see even when the church was starting and Jesus was doing his ministry, even his disciples went through transformation. So it's, it's kind of easy to think, like, oh, they had it all figured out. They knew because they were walking with Jesus. No, they did not. Even with Jesus's three years of ministry, those disciples, they still struggled. They still had anger. Some of them had insecurity. Raise your hand if you're on the insecurity train like Kyle Smith up here. Woo-woo, that's me. Um, And then even some doubt, like they still struggled with it. And for me, that gives me some peace of knowing that even the people walking physically with Jesus still had struggles, but God still had more for them. So for me, that's a lot of freedom in knowing that and and thankfulness in that. But we see something really interesting happen to them too, is that they go from some of these insecurities and these doubts when they're walking with him, and they're unable to figure out what's happening, but they there's a change that happens. And so we see bits and pieces of like generosity and unity that happens within them. In Acts 11:26, it reads, the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Okay. And it's like literally understanding that they were just these little Christs because they looked like him. And that's how they got to Antioch. And I'm like, that's amazing. Because I'm just assuming that they got it all figured out. But it's not. It's because it truly became their identity to walk with Jesus and to look like Jesus. Some of us, we get stuck in the brand of Christianity. If someone says, like, oh, do you believe in God? And we're like, yeah, I'm a Christian. But it's our brand because we have, like, our cross. Or if you're like me, as like 14-year-old Christian. You got the t-shirt that says Lifesaver because you went to the Christian bookstore on 256. It's no longer there, but it used to have this wall. And you really wanted to go buy it, but your mom said no because you just wanted every single t-shirt because, duh, I'm a Christian but you're not really living your life out that way. But for the disciples, they had this identity where we see them be the shiny and it's a distinguishing character. It's this personality of the individual. And I think that is where we can hammer into it. So it's not this brand of Christianity. It's the identity of Christianity happening. And I think too, that's where we land in this religion versus relationship. And the spirit wants a relationship with us because I don't know about you. I don't know if all of you have grown up in church or just getting into church. I was invited by a friend at 12 years old to go to church, and that is someone who looked like Jesus to me because she was on fire for the Lord. We're still friends today. Her name's Laura. I am eternally grateful to someone who extended an invitation. It may have looked something like, hey, I really want to hang out. We can have sleepover. Mom says, you got to spend the night and go to church with me. And I was like, okay, we'll go but I didn't know, but I got invited in, and so that's where I got to give my life to Jesus. And then starting to serve there, starting to get involved, um, learning about worship, never, I was like gripping the back of the chairs, but then honestly, like I was seeing some people like raise their hands and stuff too. This is a Methodist church, so some of the techniques or service might look a little bit different. And what was happening was like, I was stretched in some ways, but I wasn't really connecting to this relationship aspect because what I saw was a path of landing and people-pleasing into religion. So like the hand raising I talked to, I I might raise my hand in worship and then afterwards there was somebody to tell me that I shouldn't do that, that that was wrong. Or like if we were serving and running around barefoot, um, That was okay for the time being, but guess what? As soon as we were done, somebody or some adult was going to tell us that we were wrong. We shouldn't be doing that. It looked bad. This is a place of worship. It's a holy tabernacle. It is this, 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 and this religion. And then my most famous incident here at this church growing up, I think I was like 13, maybe 13 and a half at this time, was I like to play with my hair, colored a lot. And at this point, I think I have some burgundy red hair that I'm going with. And uh, walk into service one day, and one of the leaders pulls me aside, and she's like, Kyle, that is the most unnatural thing happening. Don't you know that if God wanted you to have that different colored hair, he would have given it to you. I'm just here to tell you that is not the time to remind her of her fake fingernails and how she fixed her teeth and straightened them with braces. Because if God wanted it to be a natural way, God would have done it that way. I'm just saying, like, it's the right message, wrong delivery. I got in some hot water that time. But it was such a, a shiny moment for me of, like, this religion. And when I questioned it, I got in more trouble. So you can see where I start going down this path of, like, well, I can't say anything. I can't ask anything because I'm going to get in trouble. I, I don't fit. These dots don't connect for me. And what is happening? And then I did small groups and stuff, too. I was really involved in youth. And you can kind of, like, see my momentum and faith happening. But it's also that I was creating motivation to do it too because I was learning like, well, God, if I pray this way, I'm going to get in trouble. And if I serve that way, even though I'm happy to serve, even though I'm excited to show up and go out with friends and clean the community and do all these things, I'm still going to be in trouble for something. And God forbid I walk into the 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 tabernacle, this holy place, and worship of where my focus should be here, but here now I'm worried about Miss Kim. That name, is in, it's ingrained in me because I was in trouble so much from her when I was younger. I hope she forgives me now for calling her out about the braces and fake nails, but like, like I said, we're good. But that became this huge struggle for me, and then it got worse because something happened when I was 16, and I wasn't protected, and when I went back to tell a youth leader that something happened to me, it was, well, we don't want to tell anybody because you'll ruin his life. And that was devastating for me because that meant I wasn't protected. Where was God in that? And that was like a no thank you. So in the worst thing that I could do to myself, because if I was going to be treated like trash, no one's going to treat me like trash any better than me because I'm going to treat me like trash the best. So I was going to become the dumpster. And I was going to be the best at it. And so that's where I found myself seeing the most unloving, most judgmental people around me who weren't reaching out to care, who weren't living their lives like Jesus would, But that would sit there and be like, well, where were you? You weren't here to serve. You weren't here at Wednesday. Wait, Wednesdays are valuable evenings, but they weren't putting a focus on people being valuable. And that became a huge struggle for me. So you know what I did? I was like, peace out. I don't want this. God, I love you, but I don't love these people. I'm not doing that. And so I put myself on an epic roller coaster. So the dumpster fire, like that is if I've ever aligned with a meme a dumpster fire is literally what my life was like between 16 and 18. Academically, still performing well, still had friends. But when I say I was treating myself and my body like trash, I absolutely mean it. You can fill in the blanks there. And then Derek, I've known my husband Derek since we were 12 years old. And when we were talking about dating, he was like, hey, girl, you look good. No, he didn't say that. He never would. Uh, <laughs> he won't. He's always nervous when I talk, to. So I got to, like, put something in somewhere. Anyways, Derek is he is on fire for Jesus. And he says, listen, I want to date you, but you're not in church and you don't have to go to my church, but I would love for whoever I'm going to date goes to a church. So I was like, well, I can go to church, but I'm not going to that church. And he said, that's fine. He went to a different church at the time. He was at a church of God. And so he had invited me and I showed up and man, walking into this church, it was different. It felt like people were living their lives for Jesus. And I met some of the most incredible people, our college and career pastors, Ron and Melissa England. They really were a turning point for my relationship back to Jesus because in their small group and how they were loving, this is how I saw people living and loving like Jesus would that is a a big turning point for me because it continued to change my life. And they walked us through some stuff because you ain't ever seen it until you have an almost fake wedding to people please the people of the church. They're not in your life. They don't have relationship with you. But Derek and I almost had a fake wedding to please the people of that church instead of them having a relationship with us because they didn't know us. They didn't know what we were going through. They knew nothing about us, and I'm so grateful that I had people like our college and career pastors to just say, this is wrong. This should not be happening. So I am eternally grateful to them as well for calling out terrible behaviors, but also loving us like Jesus that entire time through. But even with that in like our small groups and doing things like snack attack, which is where we learned it, I still continued to change my life, but after they moved away, I found myself slipping back into that people-pleasing. And what I really learned is that I was trying to do things all on my own, by my own might, trying to break down any barriers, but I wasn't really successful at it because even at that church as I called out some stuff and just like, why is this happening? Or like, why is this being said to me? I was just being stuffed down, but also just trying to do it on my own. So instead of being prayerful about it or doing anything the way that I feel like God would have me do it, I was just trying to do it on my own. And then that church closed and we ended up at C3, which was a breath of fresh air for me. And this is where I get to call the all-in. I get to go all-in with my faith. And I say that because I'm not where I want to be, but I'm also not where I used to be um, because the Spirit has shaped my life because like that Golden Girls picture, that is literally it because that is a, a true representation of me. And maybe you're on the front end of Christianity and you're thinking like, okay, I said yes to Jesus, but now what? Or maybe you're feeling frustrated and you're carrying guilt or even the word condemnation. But I just want to let you know that God wants to do a great work in our lives. And we see it in Galatians 3. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? My immediate answer to this is, uh, because I'm a human? and I've got issues. I've got more issues than a cover of Vogue, that is for sure. And even when I read this scripture, I was thinking of Pastor Tim in my head, literally asking this question of like, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law? Like, I could hear his voice going through that scripture. Of course not. And so it just leads us into the question of today. How do we live a spirit-shaped life? So that connect card is helpful. Or you got your phone, take some notes. There's three points and three prayers, as we call it, to live a spirit-shaped life. Number one, we've got to let the Holy Spirit reveal. Number two, we've got to let the Holy Spirit refine. And number three, we've got to let the Holy Spirit redeem. And through those three points, we have three prayers that we can connect with them. Holy Spirit, I'm going to call them the Mimi prayers. Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, change me. And Holy Spirit, use me. And so, number one, we've got to let the Holy Spirit reveal. Now, for those of us with control issues, I'm going to say it again. We've got to let the Holy Spirit reveal. John 16, 8. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. And so we see, the, we see that little word there, that convict. And I think we get it confused with condemn. Maybe, maybe not you. Probably, definitely me. I get stuck on this. But convict is God's word. Because that's where God's going to reveal something and expose it and bring something to light. Even in Latin of understanding that convict means with victory. Victory over those things in our life to reveal a path to us where the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us. But we get stuck on condemnation. And I'm just here to tell you that is the enemy's word because that is a word that says you are not good enough. There is no hope for you to change. There is nothing that's going to get better condemning. Ooh, and then we do something called self-condemnation. So we don't even turn it outwards. We turn it inwards. And we get stuck on that and we just let the devil get a hold of that. I'm never going to be good enough. Y'all, I struggled all week long. I had to text a few friends and say, I have had the most emotional day. I do not think I can do this. I do not think I am meant for this. I am not strong enough for this because that's what I got stuck in. I'm not good. I've had a past. People are going to find out about that. I know I talk about it, but they're going to know and then they're going to judge me. And I just lost all focus. So that condemnation is the enemy's word that you're not good enough, that you have no hope, and you cannot overcome it. But that's not where we have to land, because we have this Holy Spirit that wants to come alongside of us. And then how do we even know where, that, where that's happening? We find it in Isaiah 30. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. I need that. Show me, show me the path to walk in, and how do we keep that going? How do we, how do, we do that? So we see that in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, 23 Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So I feel like that's kind of easy and I realize that it's not, but it's easy to sit back and say, God, just search me. Reveal something into me. And then we have that prayer that we can link to that. Holy Spirit, show me. So when the Holy Spirit's revealing, pray in and out. Holy Spirit, show me. This is something that I do just like sit in my car. I'm on a struggle bus and I'll be like, God, I don't know what's going on. Just Holy Spirit, show, like show me what I've got going on in my life right now. These, these thoughts, like Jesus take the wheel, that is absolutely my life. So we've got to let the Holy Spirit reveal. And then number two, we've got to let the Holy Spirit refine. I'm not a Forged in Fire fan at all. I'm just saying that for points with my husband, but fire. We've got to let the Holy Spirit refine. In Acts 2, 1-4, through we read, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And we see that as the Holy Spirit's refining, they're taking away some impurities because there's sometimes too, like, we don't want to get down with that. We don't want God to change any of, like, what we've got going on in our life. And when we're put into that fire, God's refining us. There's stuff that we have, or the terminology, iron sharpens iron. For me, this is like being in group groups. This is where I feel like I get sharpened the most. In fact, I just dropped it on her this morning that I was going to talk about her. Um, Miss Kim Kasner took a chance on leading a grow group this past summer and it was about our anxious thoughts and stuff. Great book. I think they're going to do it again for the women. It is the book to do because it was so good. But she said something that wrecked me in an afternoon. We were talking and she said, I'm unbecoming who I thought I was. And I was like, that is so good. I wrote that down in a post-it because th- there was this like refining happening for me. I've struggled with my anxiety, struggling with all these thoughts and then have somebody else who's willing to go through the refinery somebody else who's willing to take their steps and live a spirit-shaped life to share something in that group. She wasn't telling me what to do or how to change. She was just sharing something that was helping me become better as well. And so thanks, Miss Kim, we appreciate you. She's a great leader, so she's gonna feel good about doing that again. No, it's a great book and she was fantastic at it. And because we also see it in First Thessalonians, "Do not put out the spirit's fire. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ." Like I've been caught up on that sanctification word, too, of like, what does that, what does that mean? In one term I've only heard, ever heard of when it comes to like marriage or like a sanctified marriage. But really sanctification is this divine act. That's where it's at, divine act, God. God doing the work of making believers holy, and then understanding that progressive holiness occurs during the Christian life, so that through and through, more and more of becoming holy, of living that spirit-shaped life, that God wants us holy, but it's not of our own effort. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it just by talking to people. It's about letting the Spirit reveal and then letting the Spirit refine things in us, because the purpose of God for our lives is for us to be sanctified, to become more like the image. There's that word again. More, to become more. So it's always gonna be a work. Like I said, it's not done through our determination, our resolve, the will, strength, but by the Holy Spirit as we yield our lives to His control and are filled with Him. So this is just letting go of some of that control there too. And for someone who needs to hear it too, because I'm not someone who likes to be held on by any stretch or told I can't do anything. Living this kind of life is not like a pushing down or someone keeping their thumb over you. That's not what God wants to do in your life or what the Holy Spirit wants to do. This is like a lifting up. So I hope that gives you some freedom because for me that is some freedom because I don't want anybody who's going to keep their boot over me of like what I can or cannot do. I just do not want to do that. And I don't think God's a God who is set out to do that either. So like I said, it's just this like lifting up and not this pushing down. Because if we get to that pushing down momentum, I think that's more of the religion and not the relationship that God's looking for with us. And then oh, tuss, tuss. Fire. <laughs> and I have this brilliant quote from C.S. Lewis, just amazing to read. And I think this is where I land to a feeling like God has just worked in me and just broken me down and built me back up. It reads, "Dozens of people go to God to be cured of some one particular sin, which they are ashamed of, like cowardice, or which is obviously spoiling daily life, like bad temper." well he'll cure it all right but he will not stop there that may be all you asked but if once you call him in he will give you the full treatment like yes lord imagine yourself as a living house god comes in to rebuild the house and at first perhaps you can understand what he's doing he's getting the drains right and he's stopping the leaks in the roof and so on You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts dreadfully and does not seem to make sense. I have been there. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. You thought you were going to be made into this decent little cottage, but he is building a palace, and he intends to come and live it in himself. I'm like, that's cute. He's going to make a palace, but you know what? I am strong. I'm a fortress. like, go on, C.S. Lewis. Actually, no, he's just fantastic to read. But I think that is where we land, too, of like God gets in and we're like, oh, God, what are you doing? I just thought you were going to fix some of that sin. But then Holy Spirit's like, hello, we'd like to talk about this. Hello. And all those, the drains, the leaks, the drywall, anything, if we consider ourselves as a house, like God just starts reshaping and transforming us. This is where I call it the stay in the process, taking your next steps stay in that grow group. Oh my gosh, the life change. Y'all don't even know. I'm so passionate about them because for me, this was an epic life changer. By the time I got to C3 and had this breath of fresh air, my life was so incredibly changed from being able to be in a grow group. My husband traveled six days a week at that time. I was alone with Dresden, six days. I had one day alone with Derek that, that week. I was still in a grow group to have relationship and learn about Jesus. And that iron sharpens iron. And then we see it like growth track, too, understanding our purpose, what we're designed for, so that way the Holy Spirit can keep shaping us. There's other things that we can do, too, of stepping into more prayer and seeking out daily reading, and not because you just got to do a checklist, because you don't want it to be like that religion, a relationship, because... Stuff in, that, stuff in the Bible is exciting to read about. Sometimes it is painful, but it is insane, the plots that people get into and these characters that are happening, and you're just like, how could this, how could this be? It's amazing. It's fascinating. I think it's better than most of the stuff you're going to find on TV. Shameless plug. But that's where we're going to see some change, and it has to be because God is shaping us. There's things that God wants to take away from us, and he wants to do a work in us, but that's why we get the fruits of the Spirit, because now we start to pour out of that. And so we get a fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is another time where I say, like, I'm not where I used to be, and I'm not exactly where I want to be, but I know I'm not going back to what I used to do, because we were working on the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace patience kindness generosity faithfulness gentleness and self-control. And that prayer point that we can add to this is Holy Spirit change me. And then point number 3, we need to let the Holy Spirit redeem. We've got to let the Holy Spirit redeem. And this is that that excuse of I'm too far gone. We've got to let the Holy Spirit redeem. If you haven't read about Paul in the New Testament, this dude went all in. But before he was all in for Jesus, he was all in to take Christ followers out, like taking people out of their houses, beating them, trying to imprison them. This dude, religious zealot, he was all about it. Brutal violence, the relentless persecution of the early church. And then this dude has a transformation and is able to write about most of the New Testament. It is chaotic to me to even think about that because we think ourselves we're too far gone. This dude was a Pharisee, and on his way from Jerusalem to Damascus, he plans on throwing more into prison. In fact, he's asking permission to do it. So this guy is just on on a path to do it. And then he gets blinded by by a heavenly light, this encounter with Jesus. And I'm going to say it's funny because, like, in the blink of an eye, because he gets blinded, it's funny. (laughs) Um, In the blink of an eye, his life is changing. He has this encounter with Jesus, and all of a sudden, he does, like, a 360 and he's no longer on this path to take people out because he was given the opportunity to do extraordinary things for the kingdom of God. And that story of Paul is the story of redemption in Jesus Christ and a testimony that no one is beyond the saving grace of the Lord. So when we sit there and say, I'm too far gone, I've done too much, like you don't know my story, like y'all, you don't know my dumpster fire story because Jesus redeems that I wasn't too far gone and thank you God that I wasn't too far gone. We can be radically saved in a moment, and God still sees something different in us. It even gets even better, too, because when we have those trust issues and our life has changed around, we see it happen in Acts, where Ananias is a dude that's told to work with Paul. And Ananias knows Paul's story, because Paul used to be called Saul, because he was out to get people. So he's told to talk to Paul, and I know that how I would see it is, uh, so you want... Me to talk to this guy who was coming after Christians, I, being a Christian, he's, going to, he's about to take me out. I would be a little hesitant, nervous to do this, and you're trying to like be obedient to what God has for you, and the Lord says to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. Israel. Like I said, he's going to be hesitant because he knew this reputation of Saul, who is now Paul and this is like looking at it it's like what it's like understanding that whatever the enemy meant for evil that God has flipped for good Because I don't think if we really focus on if Paul was this perfect person, because the only person that's going to be perfect is Jesus. So like, just get that right on out of there. We're always going to be imperfect people seeking to serve a perfect God. So if you feel like you were too far gone, that's wrong. You don't even have to worry about that. But we wouldn't even bother reading anything out of the New Testament and understanding Paul's letters because if Paul had been most perfect Next to Jesus, how would we even feel like we could follow along? But this dude says, I am the worst of them, and God still redeems. God still does a different work in him, and that's where I'm like, yes, go on, Lord. We can do this because I am not too far gone because I don't think we would read it that way. I, I really think that we would say, nope, that doesn't matter. He, he had it all together. He was this most perfect follower next to Jesus, and this dude didn't even walk physically with Jesus. But God can still redeem it can still redeem him. That story of Paul is still a story that can be told today because we will look at people and say, well, they're not worthy in our eyes. They're not worthy of a second chance, but yet God still grants mercy. And the truth is, is that every person matters to God. From the good and decent people, even our average people, or though that we have deemed the most wicked or degenerate or evil, God still has something for them and has still, still wants to grant them mercy. And then we can also learn something else from Paul, too, is that we can still work to be a humble, powerful witness for Jesus. And so that point, that that prayer that we can attach with this, too, is that, Holy Spirit, use me. So all of that to to know, and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. It's just like a wheel, more and more. We're not always going to get it right. We're going to keep changing, growing. Then we're going to go through something. We're going to keep changing and growing because we're going to be made more and more into his glorious image. And so I just want to pray today. I've given my best to think and talk about living a spirit-shaped life. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you do the work. Take it on. It's all yours, all the rest of it, every single part of it, to reveal things to us, refine things in us, and redeem us. God, help us and lead us as we walk on this path with you and help us to reflect you best. But maybe you've been wondering where God has been or feeling like you just don't know what to do or if you— have one of that, you've just been wondering, but you're ready to know him. If you would, just raise your hand. If others had their eyes closed, head bowed, just raise your hand if you feel comfortable doing that because you're ready to know Jesus. And so, if you're ready to have a relationship with Jesus, there's a prayer. It's called the salvation prayer that we can say. And please, everybody, just say it out loud because we don't want anybody walking this out alone. But if you're ready to take that step, you can pray out loud. Jesus, I need you. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you. And tell others about you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Woo! Now, if you...
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved.